This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 54. Hey, welcome back to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. I am so glad that you're here, that you keep coming, that you keep listening. Welcome new listeners. Oh my gosh. So glad that you found me, that you found us. Um, it is a has become a giant passion of mine to use this podcast in a way to expose really interesting, powerful, wise people that I find inspirational to our community as well as to connect you with each other. So yay, hooray, you're here. Today's show I'm super excited about. I have um, Debbie Reber on from Tilt Parenting. And Debbie is, she's the founder of Tilt and the host of the Tilt Parenting Podcast. She is a New York Times best-selling author, life coach, and speaker. And uh, Tilt Parenting's really, really cool uh, because it's all about, well, it's, an, it's well, I'm going to read from the website. How about that? It's a new online destination aimed at helping parents raising differently wired kids to do so from a place of confidence, connection, and peace. So Debbie's created an amazing community where parents who tend to feel isolated um, because of the, the special challenges their kids have, get to come together and really celebrate and see those challenges as gifts and opportunities. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about her journey, her experience with her son, Asher, who she actually has um, on her show quite often, talking about his experience of interacting with the world, which I think is brilliant. Uh, we're going to talk about how some of the, you know, how the tools that, that we all see in our newsfeed, the articles, the books that show up around parenting, how they, you know, how they can, can be used by parents of uh, differently wired kids, but also how they can become kind of frustrating with the assumptions that everybody's the same. So it was a great conversation. It was a long one. We probably could have talked for another two hours. You know, it's so fun when I get to make that kind of connection with somebody else. So I'm really, really glad that you're here to listen. And uh, enough, enough rambling from me. Let's meet Debbie. 
Hi, Debbie. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. Hey, Casey. I'm really happy to be here today. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show. And to start, I'd just love if you would share some of your story, your journey to creating Tilt Parenting with the world, and uh, anything else you think we need to know about you. (laughs) Sure. Okay. Um, Where to start? No. Uh, Tilt is something, it's kind of a passion project of mine that I thought about creating many years ago when my son, who is going to be 12 this summer, but I have what I refer to as a differently wired child, which means that he is developing neurologically, atypically, um, from, and I'm using air quotes here, but what is a typical child Mm -hmm. neurologically. And we knew that kind of pretty early on that something was different about the way he was moving through the world. But as I went through that journey and trying to navigate the world of preschool and, you know, getting notes from teachers and realizing that, hmm, something's going on here and this is a different experience. And kind of knowing that I was on a different path, I started to notice maybe when Asher was five or six that it was really hard to get information. And I felt like as someone who is a deep dive researcher and I'm super resourceful and I'm great at problem solving, I was really struggling to get information to know how to even figure out what's going on with this kid and where does he need to go to school or where does he fit in and how do I support him? It was just this kind of big unmapped path and Mm -hmm. I really didn't have any role models to kind of help lead me. I was very piecemeal figuring things out. And so it was pretty early on that I started thinking about, you know, where is where are my people? Because it can be very isolating to feel like you're experiencing something that nobody else is going through or that, you know, my community, lovely people in my community, but mostly raising neurotypical kids couldn't really relate to my experience. So, you know, years went by and, you know, the path got more and more uh, meandering and I was starting to piece together information. And I started really realizing I want to do something to support this community because there really isn't anything out there for kids or for parents who are raising kids that just kind of, you know, there's nothing necessarily super obvious that's going on with them, but for whatever reason, maybe they have ADHD or they have high functioning autism or they have dyslexia. You know, these are kids that can be in a classroom, mm-hmm. but it's challenging. You know, they're they're on your kids' soccer teams, but they play differently or they struggle with things a little more intensely. So it's those kids that just don't quite fit in and the parents feel kind of stuck. And so over the past few years, we kind of radically changed our life. Uh, Three years ago, we moved from Seattle to Amsterdam in the Netherlands and decided to homeschool. So our life has completely shifted to being focused on trying to to support Asher where he is Mm -hmm. and give him the tools and strategies he needs. And over the course of making that change, I also decided it was time to create this community and podcast and just start to kind of stand up and say, you know what, my kid is fine, he's different, but there's nothing wrong with him. And I don't want other parents like me to feel 
like they're suffering in silence. I want us to feel good about who our kids are so that our kids can really step into their power. And as parents, we can feel we can feel accepted and understood and heard. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a gift you are. Oh, yeah. Thank you. thank you. Can you talk a little bit about what so early on you were talking about um, feedback, right? That it was hard to get or that not that it was hard to get feedback, but that, you know, early on when Asher was like preschool age, notes coming home and I must I'm I'm guessing that the feedback you were getting around Asher led you to a place of just I mean, I'm I'm what was what showed up for you around the feedback that you were getting? Like, how was he showing up in the classroom? How was he showing up in the world that you think made it um, more challenging? Or ugh, is there a better word for that? Different no, for it the was adults. Challenging. Okay, okay, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, from the time he was three, and we put him in in our first preschool and had to pull him out a month later because I would show up to pick him up and children I didn't know would run up to me and say, Asher got in trouble today. And I was like, really? And, uh, you know, because he was learning things out or being, you know, kind of disruptive, quote Mm -hmm. unquote disruptive, whatever that looks like for a three-year-old. But uh, Uh, that was kind of an extreme school. (laughs) Yeah. So um, we found a better fit. But yeah, in preschool, I would say the years that he was, um, he was in a fours class and a fives class in Seattle and an amazing school. And I'm so grateful for the teachers he had there and the woman who ran the school because there was a lot of back and forth. I, I do remember at one point calling my friend Allison, who's an educator and kind of my, uh, my advisor, all things Asher. And I, I remember just specifically saying, can they kick him out? Like, should I be worried? Because I would get notes that Asher, you know, uh, got an altercation with this child because he thought the child was doing something unfair or Asher refused to participate in in movement for the 10th time in the past two weeks and mm-hmm. and kind of didn't he wasn't a peaceful protester. So he, he made it known that he was not down with what was going on. So it was the notes I was getting were about his really distracting from what was happening with the rest of the class. And the mm-hmm. teachers were having to spend so much time with him and managing his emotional outbursts or, you know, frustrations. And back then when he was young, he would have, you know, meltdowns. Mm-hmm that could be could involve him throwing something or you know just because he was out of control sure um so that's what was happening when he was in in preschool and they were they worked with us so much and it was really a gift that he was able to to be at that school and i'm still in touch with his teacher from the fives class and she is still a big champion of asher's Mm. he's he's one of those kids that as my friend said you know that he's really tricky but if a teacher likes him, they love him because he's super interesting. He's yeah. a very cool kid, uh, but he has these emotional regulation issues that can be really challenging in a classroom. Yeah. And I would say just working with teachers, I always try to encourage teachers to build relationship with the kids that are the biggest challenge for them because that's only going to help <laughs> in the yeah. long run. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, there's a lot to be learned from kids like that too because they tend to think about things differently mm-hmm. and can be more creative problem solvers in different ways so if a teacher gets him it's usually great and then he's also had 
some very intolerant teachers and that was a disaster. Yeah. So <laughs> we've, we've always had to kind of do education, our educational plan with Asher on a year by year basis. And that's continued to this day. What do you think are some of the assumptions that people make when looking into the experience of families with um, differently wired kids? I think one of the biggest challenges, I think, for a lot of us, especially with those of us who have kids with ADHD, is there are a lot of myths about things like ADHD or ODD, which is oppositional defiance disorder, or, you know, that there's something the parents have done wrong, you know, mm. that were indulgent or were not disciplining enough, or especially with kids like ours who there's nothing obvious wrong with them on the outside, right? And so as our kids get older and their behavior tends to stand out more, so what might be considered a normal tantrum for a five-year-old when your kid is eight or nine and they're pitching a fit about something you get a lot of looks from other parents who just think that your kid is spoiled Mm -hmm. is you know that you're not doing a good job parenting that you and then of course the way as a parent we need to respond in those situations is by being calm and cool and consistent and empathetic and so then you get even more (laughs) looks you know like gosh they're indulging in this behavior so I think it's especially tricky for those of us with kids that are in this kind of differently wired space, but don't have anything that's severely noticeable Right. because we're very misunderstood. And so I think that is one of the biggest challenges is trying to, trying to be the parent you need to be and not kind of getting caught up in what other people think of your parenting. And that was personally a huge struggle for me because I'm used to excelling at things and Mm -hmm. the fact you know thinking of people thinking I was failing as a mom when I knew I was putting in so much work was really hard for me to let go of yeah well and I think that that's an important point you know PSA everyone you have no idea what's going on for someone yeah (laughs) it's so true you know it's um it always is amazing to me like even you know I've been trying to be really um, aware of when I'm creating assumptions with my clients, with my kids, with the world, and even in my, you know, valiant effort not to be making assumptions, they're already, they're so always there. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, it's so easy to be in the automatic pilot and be so judgmental. And we just, we don't know. We have no idea. Even the par- crazy people driving on the road, the kids all say, well... Maybe they just got some really bad news or maybe there's a woman in labor in that car. Like we just Mm -hmm. don't know why they're driving like that. So, you know, I'm not going to flip them off because I have no idea what their experience is. So, yeah, it's absolutely true. And it's also I think that, you know, with parenting so much of what we when we're making those judgments, it's because of it. It triggers our own insecurities about what we're doing wrong. And so, you know, it's just important to kind of be conscious of that on both ends. You know, if you're receiving that judgment, make sure you realize it's not about you. It's really mm-hmm. about the other person and vice versa. Yeah, which is which is easier said than done. But man, you know, I <laughs> yeah. and I really think about it as choosing our kids over the strangers around us. Mm. Right. I think that yeah, I think right? we all can slip into that. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I better do something because all these people that I don't even know right. are looking at me. And and you know what? Who cares about them? Yep. Like, choose your yep. kid. 
Yeah. It's, it's, I have to say here in the Netherlands, it has felt especially tricky for me, or it did the first year. We're Asher's you're a crazy 12. American. <laughs> yeah. Crazy American. And this is a pretty reserved society for a yeah. society that is also Amsterdam. Very, I, I know, right? It sounds like an oxymoron. So everyone thinks it's like, and it is, it, it is kind of has that crazy party side, although that's not our experience. That's at not all. your neighborhood. That. You don't live it's in the red light hood. district. We do not. <laughs> uh, so we have a very different lifestyle here, but, but really the people are for the most part, I, I feel that they are pretty reserved and mm-hmm. they don't like people to stand out. Like it's not a it's not a society that really celebrates diversity. Mm. And so I have felt kind of those judgments even and even more intensely here. And yeah. so that was hard for me the first year. Asher's kind of aged out of I would say most of his outwardly disruptive behaviors. Thank God. It's been really nice to not have that going on anymore. But that first year was really difficult for that reason. Yeah. Talk about your manifesto because on your website you have – so your website is tiltparenting.com and you've got all sorts of great things there for parents, including a podcast. I love – yay for podcasts. (laughs) Um, Talk a little bit about the manifesto that you wrote the why behind it and um and and the and the response that you're getting from other parents yeah i really wanted to i wanted to you know i'm calling tilt a revolution because the way i see it things have got to change i i'm kind of done with us being seen as like the other or you know this is something that our kids have to adapt to fit into quote unquote normal society mm-hmm. there are so many atypical kids moving through this world. I was doing research and there are more atypical kids in your typical high school than there are redheads. Like they're everywhere. There are these kids are everywhere. Yeah, you're right. 20% of today's kids are struggling yeah. to to fit into that the you know, they're the square pegs and all and that's around are round holes. I think it's got to be more than that. I mean, if you yeah. really look at yeah. kids who have, you know, anxiety or mm-hmm. um, are highly sensitive, there are so many different things going on. And so for us to to really make a change so that our kids don't feel like there's something wrong with them, because there isn't. They they are wired differently. And that is not a bad thing. It's mm-hmm. It's an interesting and a creative thing. And I really believe that these kids have really important work to do in the world. So... In order for that change to happen, I feel like we need to have a revolution where it's and it's and it's got multi levels to it. But the the manifesto I wrote was a way to kind of engage people and get people excited to say, yeah, I'm in. I totally get it. I I I'm with you. And what can we do? So I wanted to excite people. And I did that by sharing my story, my story, which a lot of people we don't talk about this kind of stuff because people are afraid of what of what people will think of their kids or what mm-hmm. people will think of them like there's a lot a shroud of secrecy which i want to completely get rid of right because why should we hide something when there's nothing wrong yeah it's not helpful and it's not helpful to anybody especially the kids and so the manifesto kind of shares our whole journey of kind of accepting coming to a point like of true acceptance of who Asher is and also me personally learning how to kind of let go of this vision I had of myself as a parent and Asher as a kid and really step into 
my relationship with him in a in a new way in a way that really helps him thrive, that feels better for our whole family. And so I really want to encourage other parents to do that and to to get involved in making this revolution happen. So in the manifesto, I share what I call my 10 tilts to shift the game. And those are my kind of 10 things that I think we as parents raising differently wired kids can start doing today to, you know, I don't have all the answers. I'll just say that right now. I don't know how this revolution is going to ultimately go down, but I know that we need to kind of step up to the plate. We need to speak out. We need to support other parents like us in a visible way. Mm -hmm. And we need to kind of not accept what's going on, whether it's in schools or in our communities or in our own families. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. So that's the big picture vision for the manifesto. And the response has been 
just amazing. I get emails from people every day who mm. say that they, you know, I cried reading this. This is my story. You just described my child. Thank you for doing this. Like it's, it's really resonating. And it's what I believed is that we're everywhere and yeah. we're kind of in our own little worlds and not knowing how to even have our voice be out there. So I'm hoping that through what we're doing at Tilt is going to help people speak out and be a part of shifting the whole the whole parenting paradigm. That's yeah. my big picture vision. <laughs> That's awesome. So do you feel like something that came up when you were talking, you know, with everything that's been happening over here in the States with the Black Lives Matter movement and the, you know, police stuff, mm-hmm. I have been in lots of conversations just around invisible privilege. Mm-hmm. Well, invisible to those that have it. Right. <laughs> Not so invisible to those who don't. And I'm yeah, wondering, yeah. too, if there isn't um, if there isn't a little bit of that happening, um, you know, within this context as well. Because when I'm thinking about my kids, you know, my kids are pretty ne- neurotypical. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and I hear and I have lots of friends that are teachers and I've been a teacher and, you know, the idea of having a classroom that that works for everybody is so beautiful, of course, right? Mm-hmm. And then on that, you know, on in that beautiful, idyllic setting. And then, I, then I'm thinking about like, wow, wondering, curious about the feelings of, you know, those parents of typical neurodevelopment kids who are mm-hmm. thinking like, well, how is that going to impact well, if we make allowances here, how is that going to impact my child's learning? And again, it's that privilege place, right? It's right. like, wait a minute, education is for everyone. And there are ways of being creative so that every, you know, starting with maybe not just standing and delivering and teaching out of some textbook that was published in Texas. Anyway, a separate <laughs> soapbox. Um, but, you know, and so all this stuff is kind of swirling around as I listen to you talk. What do you what is what do you think about that? I mean, is that do you feel like there is any kind of is that something that shows up for you as or for parents that, you know, as they try to navigate the system that already exists for their kids? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a couple of things came up as you were talking about that. One is if I think about this parenting paradigm that I want to kind of shift and change, Yeah. that one of the big pieces of that is parents of typically developing kids because mm-hmm. they, as you said, you know, they are buying into this current paradigm because it works for them. Sure. And, and, and it, it would scare them to think that maybe this isn't the best thing for my child either, right? So if if what's happening is flawed, then it would make their whole reality be disrupted. Um, so that is a big challenge. And, mm-hmm. and it is something, you know, I feel it all the time. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I have been, I, I was just talking with a friend about this, about camps, like summer camps, right? We're in summer as we're recording this. And a friend of mine is sending her kids to sports camp this week. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, I would love to send my child to sports camp. But I can't just do that, right? It's not that easy. My mm-hmm. options are limited because of who my kid is. Mm-hmm. I Everything takes a little bit more work. And there's calling, you know, camp counselors or camp directors and discussing strategies. And are you able to support my child? And right. Everything is a little diff- d- more difficult, and and also, 
just like in terms of friendships, I was having this conversation with, with, with another friend that I have to always be thinking about the impact that my child's personality or his behavior has on the dynamic in any group mm-hmm. or with another child. So there's this extra piece. And so, yeah, I do call that typical parent privilege because it's there's this whole layer of stuff that we have to be aware of and considering kind of every step of the way that is not not the case one other example that i think about a lot is i'm again i mentioned i'm such a researcher and i i read all the parenting books and tons of articles and i used to say to darren if asher was neurologically typical i would be such an awesome parent because i would be like you know, all these books on how to talk to your child would listen, I would be rocking that or how to, you know, all these things. And it's and, and I would have this like frustration, but I can't use these strategies with my kid. So I, I would read articles or books and feel even more like a failure, Mm. because, you know, other parents are able to implement these and kind of create these super children. I'm, this is the, this is the me of maybe four years ago talking, but (laughs) You know, and I just felt like, how do I, like that information's not really applicable to me. And I wish it was because I believe in all these, these, you know, the foundation of all of this body of work, but it, I can't easily implement it into our lives. Do you feel like there are pieces? Because, you know, we talk, we just talked last week about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that I am a positive discipline trainer and I'm always, and this is great for me. This is so, so helpful for me because often I will have parents in my classes who say, well, you know, my child's ADHD or my child is this or my child is that. How can, how do I use this with them? And um, I'm always a little bit like, oh gosh, because I, I don't have experience in that area but my response is always, you know, uh, you know, is for parents to become really educated in their own child and their mm-hmm. ways of being and looking at patterns and and then just, you know, trial and error and see what's helpful. I can't imagine anything. And, and I hear what you're saying. And I think that, you know, there are so many great books and great blogs and great articles. And I think that so many parents read them and feel like mm-hmm. failure even with typically developing I'm kids sure. because yeah. <laughs> there's what we know in our head and then there's the emotional experience we're having with our child and mm-hmm. often we it's difficult to access what we just read and yep. put it into play so i think that there's that as well but i'm wondering do you feel like are there bits and pieces that you can take from some of the of the um resources that are written with the typical developing kid in mind that you can put into place or is it really just like none of that is helpful to me no it is helpful it just takes a little more work so i mean certainly the positive discipline stuff i feel is really in alignment with what works for kids who are differently wired what pieces Um, what pieces specifically do you find are well i helpful there's so much um I feel like when kids who are differently wired between the ages of like six and nine, Mm -hmm. those years are really, really difficult 
that's where the behavior kind of ratchets up and school, you know, that's when every, that's when, as I, I don't, I don't want to swear on your podcast, but that's when the crap hits the fan. (laughs) You can swear. (laughs) For everybody, pretty much. So, um, well, isn't it, that's interesting that you say that because isn't that also, please don't let the door slam. Sorry. I hear my child coming into the, from the garage. Um, I, um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I find it so interesting that, sorry to cut you off, but before six, everybody's really okay with developmental range, mm-hmm. you know, and we all, yeah. you know, and then as soon as, I feel like that six to nine is when everybody becomes really hypersensitive about, well, they're in first grade, so they all should be doing this, or they're in second grade, yeah. and that benchmark mentality and the idea that kids learn at different rates is totally lost. Or forgotten or ignored or whatever. So it's interesting that you're pulling up this six to nine range. So, yeah. So yeah, six to nine, it gets and, intense. Yeah. And first and second grade, I think, are when most kids are diagnosed with things. And it is because things that may have been in some range developmentally appropriate, suddenly they're not, right? Mm-hmm. Kids have grown out of certain behaviors. And so, you know, for us, you know, as a control freak that I am, and I'm oh. working on it, but uh, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, so there was so, so many power struggles, and I was really just trying to make things go a certain way. And I think for the positive discipline, when I started looking at that book, which I think I started reading it when Asher was in fourth grade, no, third grade, excuse me, third grade. And I really started looking at our power struggles and shifting my thinking to, this isn't about me winning you know, this, Mm -hmm. I know that seems simple, but, and I should have known that, but it was really about shifting my thinking to what can Asher learn from this? I started Mm -hmm. looking at everything that was going on as an opportunity for him to learn something about himself in a way that he could feel good about himself. And that was huge. I, I, I really think that the positive discipline approach in general, which we weren't like big punishers anyway, because that, doesn't work with kids who are you know really intense it's really like pouring gasoline on fire Mm -hmm. to just you know to punish them or yell or anything like that but it just kind of took me to a much deeper level of realizing that he was always just communicating with us and that my job was to be like a detective and and help him be a detective too and thinking about what's going on here, what can he learn from this, and how can he develop skills out of this and his own emotional intelligence. So it just kind of, I became a much more patient person, which was good for everybody involved in my family. Yeah, Yeah. I love that about positive discipline too. I love that it's about that skill building and it's about maintaining relationship. Good, okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, in terms of other books you were asking if there are takeaways, definitely. I mean, I think the book that's popping into my head is Jessica Leahy's book, The Gift of Failure, Mm -hmm. which I love. And, you know, I have to kind of adapt that. Like, and I talked with um, someone on my podcast who's uh, Julie George, and she specializes in executive functioning. And we discussed that book specifically because I of course, want to be supporting Asher in failing in safe ways and developing those skills that he's going to need to be successful and be independent. And she was saying, well, you can do that. It's but your child needs more scaffolding than another child might. So it's taking those those themes and lessons and then 
creating support around them so that I'm not setting him up for, I'm not setting him up for a failure when he's not ready for a situation, but I'm giving him the support he needs and then building it in more slowly. So yeah, you just have to take a little extra time to adapt um, those other resources. Well, and I love that because again, it comes down to knowing your own child. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's my thing is fluency. I really want parents to know that they can become fluent in their own child's language. Mm -hmm. Every, if you can figure that out and that will just change your whole experience. If you start meeting your child where they're at and understanding who they are, they'll understand who they are. And it just kind of gets better. It just gets better and better from there. Yeah. And do you, is something like I, I often will talk to parents about looking for patterns, like noticing patterns around time of day, noticing patterns around, you know, certain little things that, you know, even if it's, you know, language they hear or language they're used or, you know, looking for patterns so that you can start to see what it is that is triggering your child, Mm -hmm. not in the quest to avoid all meltdowns, because that's, that's, that's a, I mean, meltdowns are a part of life, but simply to be more proactive and to also, and I'm, I'm guessing with Asher, because I've read a little bit of your story, he's really verbal, right? And, you know, you can sit down and say, so this is what I'm noticing. I'm noticing that, you know, when this happens, you, it's really difficult for you to navigate. Is there room with you and Asher to say things like, what would be helpful to you when this comes up again? Definitely. Definitely. We use a, um, a problem solving approach, a collaborative problem solving approach that it's really scripted. Mm -hmm. And, um, he is so, he's so interested in all of this because he's, he reads a lot and he's interested in brain science. And so he kind of under, he's interested in getting to know how he works best and what's really going on in his brain, which is, I use that to my advantage all the time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we have conversations like that all the time. And especially, you know, our challenge right now, as is with many families, neurotypical or or typical, atypical kids is screen time. And it's just a constant, you know, education because he needs to figure he's got to figure it out at some point or he's going to be, you know, 20 years old sitting in his underwear playing Pokemon. You know what I'm saying? Like (laughs) he's got to. He's got to kind of figure out, like, what feels good for my body? What is too yeah. much time? How do I get off when it's time? Like, how do I create these habits? And so we are constantly sitting down and like, hmm, yeah, I noticed that you were, you've been ignoring your timer. Like, yeah, that's not working. Do you have any ideas about why that's not working or what should we try next? And we'll, I really let him come up with ideas and I'll say, I'm all for trying that. Let's give it three days or how long yep. should we give that to see if it works? And we'll set it and I'm like, okay, let's regroup and let's, we'll, we'll see if it worked. And if it didn't, we'll keep tweaking it. So yes, yes. Our whole life is tweaking. Like we yes. just tweak, tweak, tweak. <laughs> I love that. That's what yeah. we do too. We've had that's like that exact, those exact same words have come out of my mouth. I'm noticing yeah. that you're ignoring your timer. <laughs> do you hear it? Maybe you should turn it up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it is so. It is yeah. so frustrating. But, but I love you know, that. But but I, but what I'm hearing you say, you know, you're talking about. I think that a lot of parents, regardless of, <clears throat> you know, what neurologically is happening with their kids, 
we are we we fall into this trap of thinking like okay we're going to create this agreement and the problem goes away or we're going to re- create this routine <laughs> or we're going to have one conversation or there's yeah. going to be one lesson and and all of a sudden the problem goes away and it's just not true it doesn't happen true. they have to practice and that whole zero you know we 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 well we'll say 0 to 18 but come on When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Um, it's all, that's the, that's the practice field, you know, and well, they're always changing. Yes. I mean, so Asher, you asked about patterns, and Asher used to have these regressions, and they were, they were bad, and we knew they were coming. Like I would keep track of them, and there was the fall regression that happened right before Halloween, and it could last until Christmas, mm-hmm. and then the spring regression always started in mid March, and it could go to the end of the school year, and then there was a mini regression in the summer. Like we had oh, names for them, seasonal. and we warned teachers. Like it yeah. was. And, you know, I remember he started second grade and I told the teacher and he's like, he's been great. I've had no issues with him. I'm like, oh, that's great. I'll talk to you in two weeks. And then, of course, that's when it all went down, you know, and those things stopped when we got here. But I think when we were going through those regressions, I kept waiting when they were over for him to revert back to, you know, the peaceful calm Asher kid, you know. And my friend once said to me, he's never going to be that kid again. He's 
always grow. He's growing. He's evolving. He's maturing. He's developing. So there is no going back. There's only moving forward in a different way. And that was a huge aha moment for me because I think I kept when we do when we did back then have these like periods of peace and calm in our home. It mm-hmm. was like heaven. It was so nice to be living in a home where there wasn't yelling every day. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, we've made it, you know, and then the regression would hit. And I just wanted to get back to that happy place. And I had to kind of accept that whatever came next was going to look different. And the same is what, what you you know, we were talking about tweaking. It's the same with all of our problem solving. And now Asher and I make a joke. We do what works until it stops working and then we come up with something else. And that's just the way it's going to be, you yep. know? Yeah. So for listeners who maybe didn't know anything about Tilt Parenting prior to this podcast, what can you, what kind of advice do you have for those parents who are feeling isolated? Like, you know, maybe with groups of friends that have no idea what their experience is or just feeling as though, you know, they're really lacking in community. What can you, what advice do you have for those parents? I think, first of all, to just know that you're not alone. I think that is the most harmful painful part of this whole experience is feeling misunderstood and isolated and just be aware that we are everywhere parents you know like Mm -hmm. like you if you're going through this with your kids and you're in that real deep pain point and it's really can be so painful because often as parents we are we bear the brunt of it especially as moms we bear the Mm -hmm. brunt of it because we we just get yelled at a lot or it can be really intense living with an angry kid or, you know, and not every child has the intensities that, that Asher did, but it's, it's still challenging. And so just knowing that you're not alone and I I would encourage those listeners to, you know, well certainly check out tilt and kind of start feeling like you're part of something because we have a really great community and, and it's about owning our experience. And I, really believe that we as our as the parents of these kids we can change the whole emotional experience for our family when we can kind of come to a place of acceptance and I don't mean like some beautiful acceptance all flowers and rainbows and everything's wonderful it's still hard I mean Mm -hmm. it is hard I'm not gonna but I accept what is and I live in the present as much as possible and I I take so much joy in the growth that I see in my kid and the steps that we take. And so if you can get to a place where you are embracing that journey, the children flourish. It's incredible. So just kind of knowing that a lot of it comes from you. I think a lot of us parents, we focus so much on our kids, getting them the right therapy, getting them the right support, OT, whatever it is. Um, and I think we neglect ourselves Mm -hmm. and that self-care piece and doing what you need to do to create community and take care of yourself that will change everything for your whole family. Yeah, definitely. I I always joke about when I get parents into my live classes and it's about week three when they come in and they say, oh, this isn't about my kids. This is about me. And I say, yes, I could not put that on the flyer or you would not have signed up. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I am the biggest, um, I'm so selfish about my time. Mm -hmm. And 
I only have one child, so I know it's it's much more challenging if you have more than one child, especially, you know, I know parents that have multiple um, atypical kids or or there are other challenges when you have one that's typical and one that's atypical. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different dynamic. But I'm really, uh, especially because I'm homeschooling, I just like, honey, I got to get out of this house tonight. So I'm going to be going for a walk between, you know, and I just leave when I need to leave or I definitely take care of myself and do what I need to do to make sure that I can be present when I'm with Asher and feel as peaceful as I can um, in tough situations. And yeah, it really, it really does start with us. And I hope that there are more parenting, you know, more parenting resources out there will crop up for parents and that they would realize that getting the help they need through parent coaches and, you know, whatever they need to support themselves emotionally is absolutely going to benefit their kids. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for that. And I'm looking at your um, podcast right now. Uh, yeah. It's on your website, tiltparenting.com slash podcast. And I see that, um, well, I see my friend, Margaret, on your list. Yep. Love her. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm noticing too that you do conversations with Asher. I do. We call them... Well, somehow Asher has decided they're called the Asher Special Episodes. I wanted something catchier, but that's what we're calling them for now. But yeah, every third episode is a conversation with Asher about some issue. Um, we've talked about being what it feels like when you're distracted or how he handles frustration or um, the most recent one, which we actually just released today as we're having this conversation. We talked about, we actually took questions from kids because what I'm hearing from yeah the I'm getting a lot of emails from parents saying I love your podcast and I listen to the Asher episodes with my child and the kids love them and I had no idea that was going to happen I thought this was a helpful way for parents to hear a kid's perspective on things their kids are going with but the kids are identifying with Asher so I threw it out to our audience and I said what questions do your kids have for Asher we got a lot of responses, and we, we recorded the first episode based on that, and it's all about Asher's social life. So he talks about how he handles, you know, when kids aren't nice to him, and, mm-hmm. and you know, he's such a confident person, and he feels really strong about standing up for other kids who are differently wired and wanting those kids to feel really confident and good about themselves, too. He's, like, a super advocate. So... I love that he has embraced that role and I love that kids are responding to it. So that's an unexpected thing that's happened. I didn't plan that at all. I really created the podcast for parents, but yeah, it's been really, really fun. The challenge is recording podcasts with a child with ADHD who likes to move. (laughs) So there's a lot of, wait, the mic's over here. Can you say that again? You know, but, uh, but it's been really fun to do with him. Oh, that's so great. Listeners, make sure you head over to tiltparenting.com slash podcast and get in on this. And you're also on, I see, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podbean, Player FM. Yep. yep. So, yay. Well, hey. thank you so much. I have one last question that I ask all my guests. Uh-oh. And it, it's okay. No pressure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no pressure to get it right, Debbie, but. All right. What does joyful courage mean to you? Okay, what does joyful courage mean to me? Um, That's a great question, and it makes sense that you ask that of your (laughs) listeners. Uh, 
Well, I would say joyful is definitely something that I want parents to feel. So um, to have peace and joy in their experience as parents and the courage piece, I feel like it takes a lot of courage to to show up, to be vulnerable in your relationship with your child and to kind of speak out about who your, who your child is and lean into it. Um, so I would say joyful courage is really about is is about embracing what is and noticing the little things that bring peace and and happiness. Hmm. Nice. How how was that? I think that's good. I think okay. it's beautiful. <laughs> I love to get all the different answers to that question. It's I love yeah, it. Yeah, I love that it you have a happy. signature question. That's a great I do. It's a great idea. Beyond awesome. that, it's a little bit of a ramble, but I always try to close with that question. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Debbie. I really appreciate it. Where are yeah. some places, other places that people can find you? Well, um, tiltparenting.com is kind of our home base and it's, it's, we've only launched in April, so we're still kind of building, but you can join our community and, or reach out to me. I answer all my emails. Um, we also have a pretty lively Facebook group at facebook.com slash tiltparenting. So those are the two places I'm most active. I have an Instagram and Pinterest and all those things, but I would say if you want to connect and and engage uh, through the website or the Facebook group are the two best ways. Great. Okay, I'll make sure there's links to those places in the show notes. And again, just thanks so much. Thank you, Casey. This has been so fun. I feel like I could talk with you about this stuff all day. But thanks for having me on the show. I feel the same way. We'll, We'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Ah, wasn't that a great conversation? I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. I really, really, really appreciate Debbie for coming on the show and being a part of the Joyful Courage platform. Thank you so much, Debbie. And thank you, listeners. Thank you for tuning in, for staying tuned in, uh, for finding value and meaning in the podcast. I am so appreciative of the time you take to listen to what I'm providing here. So, so grateful. And speaking of what I provide, I just want to remind you yet again that I have a really exciting offer happening at the end of August. August 24th is the start date for the Joyful Courage 10 program. This is a free program for parents. And the purpose of the program is all around defining who you want to be as a parent, specifically during challenging times, and then practicing, intentionally practicing, embodying those qualities. You know, what I mean by that is, you know, when I get challenged by my kids, I want to make sure that I am connected, that I'm available, that I'm compassionate, and that I'm loving, which is really easy when everybody's doing the right thing. It's not so easy when the teenager is eye-rolling, stomping her feet, and shutting me out. But that's when I need to be that parent the most. And so to help myself be able to show up that way during the challenge, I have to practice, right? I have to practice when I'm not triggered, when I'm not challenged. So the Joyful Courage 10 is all about that, about helping you meet that goal of showing up as your best, especially when it's hard to do. I'm going to use, for my friends in the States, you'll get to be a part of it via text message as well as email, uh, Facebook group, 
and um, yeah, and Facebook groups. So, and the other piece about the Joyful Courage 10 that I'm really excited about is it's not a whole bunch of work for you to do. It's really just me showing up, reminding you, hey, this is what you said you're going to do. How's it going? Right? So there's not a bunch of you know, books to read or papers to write. It's not anything that is going to take time away from your already busy schedule. However, it is going to, it is around accountability. It is around saying, hey, you said you were going to do this. How's it going? Are you doing it? And how can you be supported by the community in moving forward? So 10 days, 10 days of that. I mean, can you imagine the shift that could happen? So if you're interested in finding out more, please go to www joyfulcourage.com slash jc10 www.joyfulcourage.com slash jc10 and you can get more information and you can register and did I mention it's free because it is it's free so I'm super excited about that really excited about that um, also if you're not already a member of live and love with joyful courage it's a Facebook group get in there It's different than the Joyful Courage Facebook page. It's an actual group where you will receive notifications. We celebrate and support each other. I post all the stuff that I throw out into the world, so podcasts, blogs, plus anything else that's inspiring to me or you, right? You can post stuff that you find in your world that that you find value in and think that you could share with others. So love that space. You can also find Joyful Courage on Instagram and on Twitter. I'm a social media girl. All right, my friends, big, huge love to you. Have a glorious day and I can't wait for next time. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.